Welcome to A No Place to Hide, a men's mental health podcast. Over the coming weeks and episodes, I'll be talking to guests from different industries and different backgrounds, all willing to share their story and their experiences. Alongside this, I'll be talking about my own experiences and my own stories, covering a wide range of topics. Sometimes this will be hard-hitting, brutally honest, and even sometimes shocking. Subjects that we will be covering and talking about are of a sensitive nature like suicide, self-harm, addiction and sometimes people that have been in very dark places but all of this is in the aim of breaking that stigma of men not talking or men not seeking help so welcome to a no place to hide come and take a seat and listen along the journey on men's mental health with the aim of breaking that stigma together So welcome to episode four, A Bitter Pill to Swallow, and today I'm joined by none other than Kai Hatton from South East London. Now Kai's a 23-year-old chap, um, he's an analyst for a huge fashion label, absolute amazing guy who gives up his spare time to coach junior cricket, uh, has been doing for a number of years, and randomly he studied Russian at school, so hopefully he's not going to start spouting Russian off so I can't understand what he's saying, but welcome to the uh, No Place to Hide, Kai. Uh, privet, privet. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? You all right? All good, all good. Yeah, thanks yeah. for thanks for having me on. Um, I, I think my story is probably something quite interesting for for listeners to to hear about. Um, and really enjoyed the sort of first few episodes of the podcast as well. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to start. Obviously, you know, picking away at the um the ups and downs and, and everything that you've been through. And, and, and obviously, as we go on in the podcast, uh, people will realise what you are still currently going through at this moment in time. Um, so, yeah, let's kick straight off. If you want to just tell me a little bit about yourself, like pre, pre-illness, pre um, just just give us a background about yourself. That would be fantastic. Yeah, so I, I sort of my, 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 my personal background, I, um, I went to school. I, I did okay in school. I, I, I got... C's and B's at GCSEs, but I was, I've never, yeah, it's more than I never someone. <laughs> <laughs> I was never someone that was that was pushed by university. For me, I, I don't see, so I don't see massive amounts of value in university. If yeah, you just want to go and get an office job or yeah. go and sort of work in, working in in a field that's not specific to to I don't know maybe doctors teaching. Yeah, engineering. Yeah. If if you're not going to go into that, it's not for me. Yeah. And I, I sort of left college at 18 and went right. Let's go and get a job. Yeah, yeah. great, so, perfect. No, fair play, fair play. So, so like you know, obviously growing up, did you have um, you know, what was your childhood like? Was it was it quite a normal? I know we don't like using the word normal, but it's like quite a normal upbringing. Even though you are from East London, I can imagine it's not all gangsters, is it? No, God no. It's more. It's where I'm from. It's more. It's more wannabe roadmen and Essex boys. Honestly, the amount amount of the amount of Dior Sauvage and and, and slick back hair is is unreal. (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant. Um, So yeah, I mean, I'm guessing you had like quite a a normal childhood, you know? Yes. 
definitely yeah. my parents sort of pushed me to try everything sort of sports anything learned anything education was try learning languages travel we traveled to loads of places i mean i i studied french and russian at gcse now looking back the amount of torment that put myself through <laughs> i don't know why i did it but it was fun <laughs> to do the trips there i why mean russian? going to russia why russian, russian there was a teacher at secondary school who's just retired this year um and possibly one of the, the best role models that you could come across. The guy's been to possibly every European country. And it just he's just so inspiring. I just thought, okay, Russia's different. It's going to look corner CV. Yeah, Let's definitely. give it a go. I mean, I, I ended up visiting Russia as a, a, a 16 years old. And some of the stuff I saw there really opened my eyes as to how different life is in Eastern Europe. Compared Gosh, yeah. to here. And and how much the West portrays Eastern Europe to be to what it's actually like as well. Yeah, we I I remember being taught in school that Russian people hate gay people. Yeah. They hate gypsies, yeah. hate anything that's not considered the, the, the standard Christian lifestyle. Yeah. We ended up visiting a Russian school and that was not the case. Sort of yeah. 15, 16, 17 year old kids in Russian schools don't share those views and it's a myth. In, in in the West, yeah, everyone in Russia believes that. Yeah, yeah. So I recently had a conversation with somebody about, like, not specifically Russia, but Eastern Europe, and, and we got talking, obviously, about mental health problems. And they were saying, oh, yeah, have you seen on telly and social media how, like, uh, Poland and Russia and Ukraine and stuff, obviously, pre-war, um, had the outlook on mental health. Like, they, they still they were telling me that they still did lobotomies and blah, 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 and all this. When I sat down and actually looked into it, Russia was one actually one of the leading countries on men's mental health. But yet then the Western propaganda, you know, that's probably a different conversation for another day. But, you know, it's it's scary just how much you can be influenced into thinking something, you know, and, and again, that relates to your mental health sort of thing. Um, Definitely, I think, I think social media has got a hell of a lot to blame for a lot of mental health problems. People looking into other people's lives for a snippet, they don't see the other twenty-three hours and fifty minutes of the life, and it's, you know, I think that's a massive thing that needs to. There's, there's a big shift that needs to change there. So that um, that's that's something as well in 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 my age group, especially trying to create a perfect social media image. Absolutely. Um, c- coming on to to social media, one of the things that I have try to do we'll, we'll, we'll go into it later in the podcast is sort of i've tried to keep images of myself up on social media where i haven't looked well or i look really sort of not quite with it or as i used to yeah. just sort of not block out a part of my life that's not great mm-hmm. but i kind of want to still be active on social media and share what's going on with me right now because it is real yeah. I mean, I could sit there and go, right, I'm going to go on Photoshop tonight. I'm going to make sure my skin's <laughs> not as not as yellow for this example, and, yeah. I, and I'll fake it. But there's, yeah. for me, there's no point in doing that. And I think if, if other people sort of shared their own natural viewpoint or, or how they look, I think yeah. social media would be a better place. Absolutely. And I think that, that, that comes from, from the top with celebs as well. Like there's, there is no need to Photoshop yourself to a point where you've got got a bum that's the size of a <laughs> I don't know at this point, a watermelon at this point just yeah just be you 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I totally 100% agree with that. And I think a lot of kids, I know social media is not meant to be for kids, but there's so many kids that are on social media and they look up to all that and they see that as that's the standard that they've got to achieve to, you know, and if everybody yeah. set a natural standard, I think kids wouldn't have, you know, as many anxieties and, and everything, you know, there's there's too many anxieties as a child growing up as it is, let alone having that bar set so fucking high, Do you know, growing yeah. up, there's so much, you know, you know, there's, there's puberty, there's there's going up to secondary school, there's exams, there's like thinking, shit, at 16, what the fuck do I do next? I've, it's, I've got, that's it's, me, it's I've scary enough as it is. Yeah. You don't, yeah. you don't, you don't need to have, oh, this Instagram post only got 10 likes today. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Why is no one, why is no one like me? What's going on? You yeah. don't need that. Just no. be who you are and yeah. share who you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. So, yeah, you know, obviously we spoke about a bit about yourself and everything else, but where did all the problems start? Like what, what age or what did you, you know, when you first realised that something wasn't quite right? You know, what? what I I first realised something wasn't right. This is a weird place to realise this. In the middle of a, of a college lesson, trying to redo coursework, right. basically what happened was one of my eyes went bloodshot red talking full on red you, to the point where I'm like, okay, I need an eye patch. I can't, I can't open this. Was that like overnight was, or was that ju- just during that lesson sort of thing? That's it. It, it started going red probably a day, yeah. two days before. And then I woke up and I, I, I got phone. I got phoned in to go and go and look. Your coursework's okay, but it could be better. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, great. I've got two days to smash out this deadline. I got in, and it was all on a computer screen. I just could not get my eyes open to sit and look at a screen to try and redo coursework. Shit. At that point, I went home and went, Mum, we got to go hospital. Something's not right. Yeah. Went to sort of a local hospital. They thought, oh, it's just just an eye infection. We'll give you we'll give you some cream for that. Didn't stop. Okay, we've gone to the GP and they've they've, they've taken a look at it and gone right. You need to go to Moorfield Eye Hospital. So Moorfield Eye Hospital. To those who don't know, it's possibly the leading hospital in the country for eye care. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, went there. They've gone right. We've never seen this before. So I'm sitting there thinking. Shit. Okay. <laughs> They've done loads of tests and actually linked it to an imbalance in my liver. So something's not quite right in my liver. So that was actually affecting your eye? So that the bloodshot yeah. in your eye was from your liver? Right. Yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, well, how the fuck's that? How's that, how's that possible? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the exact same reaction as you did there. Um, went through and did more tests, MRIs. And they eventually found out I have something called primary sclerosing cholangitis, which okay. to, to put it to put it in a simpler term for what the disease actually does, your, your liver has ducts that, yeah. that produce bile and push bile through and yeah. keep sort of everything regulated. Mine are basically scarring themselves. So not through not through any Yeah. So the way I the way I describe it to people probably don't understand is say if you've got a uh, a pepsi a pepsi bowl yeah you are slowly covering 
the top of that Betsy bowl to the point where you're allowing 10, 15% of what should be allowed through right. into that, into that bottle. Shit. Yeah. So I, I found that out at, at 19 I, and I don't know why the doctor still said to me, Oh, you can still, you can still live a, a normal life, which was great at the time. You could still drink and things. It just has to be in moderation. Yeah. Looking back, I wish you'd have just said to me, pack it no, you pack in, can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, that for me then, that would have been, it would have been horrible because I'm 19 at the time. I want to go out and party and things. That's it. Yeah. Socializing at 19 is your life, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yes. A hundred percent. I I wish he'd have said, right, here's what it leads to. At the time, I was like, oh, you can still live a normal life. We could, I then get sort of transferred to other specialists and they've gone there's they, I think a year after that they sat me down and went right here's what the outcome is of the disease that with with liver diseases there are very few cures and things that can be given apart from transplantation right, right. so I I I got I've gone and seen doctors and specialists and i think july 2021 i met with a specialist and he said right the, 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 there are there are trials and things you can take part of i said yeah that's great let's do it but the ultimate end of this sort of liver disease is transplantation yeah so it doesn't doesn't mean it's it's end of life and nothing wrong with nothing i, I I'm gonna. I was gonna say nothing dark like that, but that that is in a sense dark. But I'd say from the age of 21, I'd I'd been told that in your 30s, mid 30s, you're gonna need a liver transplant. Wow, that's a lot to take on. I, I you know, mentally to take on at that age. You've not even yeah. lived, not even lived a fifth of your life, really, have you? Do you know what I mean? And it's uh, wow. So how did that like? How did you cope with that like day to day? How did you mentally cope with that? Uh, it's uh, how, how did I mentally cope with that? I tried to sort of keep myself active and make adaptations in my life. I still went around and worked sort of as hard as I could. Still tried to fit in with the sort of lifestyle of getting up right we're going to smash nine ten hours at work today yeah. i'm going to go home at the weekend i'm going to play cricket all day and then if there's a game on sunday i'm going to play that as well i'm going yeah. to go out with my girlfriend on thursday friday night but it got to a point where i started noticing things weren't right yeah but for some reason and I don't know why, and I, I wish I was more aware of this. I put everything the doctor said to the back of my mind. Just, oh, okay, this is going to happen in my 30s. This will be later on. I can still keep going at 100, 110, 120 miles an hour at the moment. Yeah. So the, the first sign I ignored was my feet started itching. So I thought, oh, I must have athletes for I, 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 I go, I go to the gym. I've played sport a lot. I'm, I'm in gym socks and I sweat so I'm like okay I'll go and get some some cream and some powder for that get that yeah. sorted yeah 
then other parts of my skin started itching. I'm like, okay, oh, that 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 just must be. I don't know. I, I I might I might have had allergic reaction. Yeah. After that, I'm noticing I'm getting tired at four o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm like, I'm working from home, and I'm feeling the need to sleep and have a nap. So was this all during? Afternoon. Was this all during lockdown then? So not only yeah. did you have that to deal with, you were dealing with appointments and everything else through lockdown. Yeah. See, people just think when you got locked down, you were at home playing out with kids in sunshine, that they kind of forget that people had all this going on in their lives to deal with on top of it, which for you to deal with that at your age as it was. Yeah. The amount of hospital appointments that were moved in and around yeah, that sort yeah. of covid I, I don't know if it, if me having things pushed back, if doctors would have spotted things earlier or said, no, that's not right. You need to take that more seriously. Wow. Yeah. But I, I, I ignored loads of signs. I mean, falling asleep at four o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, I'm, I'm that's not normal. I mean, a four o'clock nap one once in a while okay great but maybe if you've been out on be a saturday night you might have one but but as, as a yeah. normal day-to-day thing yeah it's uh, yeah yeah that's that's i i i eventually i i sort of kept going with it i was like okay right i'll i just i just kept going and going i ended up going for the job i got currently whilst all these things were going on i went for a whole interview process and got the job whilst all these things were going on. So I'm thinking, oh, this is normal. This is this is how this is how this this lifestyle works. Yeah. It got to a point where I started my new job, and then I just crashed. Um, I, I I kept ignoring more and more signs. I got to the point where my skin was yellow. Like I I I could pass for a Simpsons character. <laughs> I. I don't. I know people probably listen to that and go, oh, "You, you can't make jokes like that." I, I do use humor as one of the coping mechanisms to yeah. dealing with everything going on. Yeah, I, I'll share. I'll share an anecdote with that. I, I was in hospital and my girlfriend had coloured in the Simpsons characters <laughs> and put them by my bedside. <laughs> no, some nurses came in and found it hysterical. Some were like, uh, "This is a bit. This is a bit close to the mark." <laughs> See, I think humor is an incredible tool, and um, whether that find you find humor in yourself or find humor in other people, humor is an incredible tool for for mental stimulation and, and and getting them mental positive endorphins released around your body. But that the fact that you could still do that even though you were still there in hospital is, uh, yeah. The world, play. the world would be a better place if more people could take the piss out themselves. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. I, <laughs> listen, coming from Yorkshire and, and from Barnsley, I've, I've I've had to grow up learning to be able to take the piss out of myself. So <laughs> 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 I fully understand where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'll, I'll, uh... I'll go, yeah. I'll go back into to the sort of signs I've missed. I, I, I've missed signs sort of like I started a new job and my skin was yellow. I'm thinking. Ah, this is normal, but people mm. looked at me like, okay, something's not right. Yeah, I yeah. ignored, I ignored my piss being yellow for two or three weeks. Yeah, and it's not 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 yellow that oh you have you've not drunk enough water the night before. Yeah, it's it's yellow, it's blood orange, wow. and it stinks. 
Yeah. Yeah, when I was doing a bit of reading about that, that's like one of the most common things that people didn't realise. They just presumed that they were dehydrated or they needed to drink more. Uh, and it's not. It's, it's no matter how much they were drinking. There were, so there were a couple of stories I was reading and there was a, a chap that he was drinking litre upon litre upon litre and he went, it just wasn't changing. He said, but it did make my fucking stomach uncomfortable. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> you know, again, the humour bit, but yeah, it, it, that that the quite a few things that did did surprise me really uh, when I'm reading about the symptoms and and looking into it all as well yeah so you know obviously you'd had quite these symptoms and the, and then when you were going for a piss obviously that I mean where'd you go from there? I I said it, it, I think yeah it got to August twenty two I said enough's enough I need to go to a and e the 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 saddest part with that is that. It, I was I was due to go on my first holiday with my girlfriend the day I went into hospital. It it just got to the point where I'm like, I can't drag myself on a plane, get myself across the country to for something wrong to, to, to happen. Yeah. yeah. And it's probably a blessing that I didn't go on that and I went into hospital because the things I found out in hospital would have I I'd have probably been in hospital in Spain or on holiday anyway. None of that. Yeah. Quite, so, quite, at that point then, were you quite, I presume you're quite seriously ill, like really, really fucking ill at this point. Yeah, they they did tests and sort of, they, they, they checked for hepatitis, they checked for lo- loads of different things. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, the, the, the first hospital I went to, I ended up getting transferred to another hospital for a sport specialist care. First hospital had no idea what to do with me. They they put me they put me in my own room, sort of on on the side at the time. That that broke me, and I don't I don't know why it why it did that because I I think this goes back to sort of elderly family members passing away. Yeah, that they had their own room and it was sort of put to the side. I I. I got moved up into my own room for three or four days. And the first night I got moved in there, it was about 12 o'clock at night. I just cried all night. And I don't know why. I don't know if it was sort of like an association with being in a side room is a place to sort of die in a way. I'm sitting there thinking, there's there's so many things going through my head. And that was the first thing that came off. I think I sort of cried my eyes out for an hour. Push me into this room just to, so when I go on peaceful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why my mind was brought to that because I could still walk around and do everything, but that's where my mind went. Yeah. Wow. So. And how old were you at this point? How old were you then at this point? You're still 19 then, or? 22. So this is this. All of these things have happened over a sort of two, three year period. Fucking sweet. It took that long to get to this point then. So you've been ill all this time before you got. Yeah. It, it might the the, the liver is essentially deteriorated quicker than it was expected to. Holy fuck! So yeah, I, I just gotta have. So, I mean, I can't even comprehend the impact that that's got on on like your thought process of even just like daily fucking tasks, getting your ass out of bed in the morning. I bet I bet you had points where you were just like, "Fuck, what's the point? I can't be asked to do this. I'm too tired." Or Nobody gives a fuck. They're not trying to get to the bottom of it. Nobody's helping me. Which you know, you 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 would go through that motions, I presume. Uh, yeah. 
So yeah, so, you, you were laid in in this side room, and then you know what 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 where where did it go then after that then? Uh, after after that, we we had three or four days just having odd tests because yeah. the the doctors and specialists at at the hospital I was at they 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 can deal with your basic problems, bronchitis, X Y Z sort of basic things, but when as soon as you go into the hardcore specialists sort of rare diseases they they have no idea yeah. they came in and said to me there's three ways we can solve this uh, see if it clears naturally two we can look at stents and see if we can clear some of the the bile ducts naturally yeah. or not, not naturally but entering in with stents yeah. and the third option is transplant and i'm sitting there going all right i'm 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 rooting for option one or, or option two I, I i don't want that yet yeah so i'm like okay great they've gone they've gone another couple of days and gone right we're going to transfer you through to Whitechapel, where all my specialists are right, yeah. so i'm like okay great i arrived i arrived on a sunday night so nothing was going to happen then and there and it was a bank holiday the day after so i had to wait two days of just sort of having nothing really happening until the tuesday tuesday came and doctors came in and I had something that, that was strange at the time was there was a big triage of doctors come and see me. Yeah. Now I'd, in the in the previous hospital, I'd only had one and a nurse maybe, but there was a big triage full of specialists, doctor, couple of nurses. And they came in and sat with me and said, we're not going to be able to do stents. What, just to flat out, um, that's... Yeah, I opened it up with, we're not going to be out of stents. So I'm like, okay, can we? Can you explore that possibility one more time? So they went and did that, came back the day after, and it was one one of them on their own came in and, and sat me down and went, your liver is essentially at the end of its life. It It can function at the moment, but it's not going to get better from here. So I'm sitting there like, what the fuck? I'm, I, I'm on my own in a place I don't know. And the doctor just told me my whole world's changed. That what what was before, I'm not going to be able to get back to. And I, I, I sat and just held the doctor's hand and cried for about a good five minutes. And I'm, I'm quite thankful the doctor sat with me. So you had some support, or at least a level of support. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, doctor's time is precious. He's got 100 patients on a ward to go and oh, see. Yeah. Yeah. But he sat with me and just, just held my hand for that moment. Yeah. So you just had a couple of days, obviously with Sunday and the Monday, getting a bit choked up listening to you, mate, to be fair. Um, so you'd had the Sunday and the Monday to sit thinking, right, it might go away naturally or I can have stents. And then all of a sudden the doctor comes and, and, and delivers that. It's That's what's been soul destroying. Yeah, I I, I, I cried a lot that day. I, I, I had a couple of people that were going to come and visit me and I just said, look, look I, I'd rather just sit on my own. Yeah. I can't, I can't sit there and go, oh, it'll be all right, it'll be all right. I'm like, no, just... Let me sit with this. I think 
I just had my mum, my dad and my brother come and see me for a few hours that day and, and they my dad sat with me. Yeah. And just yeah, we just, just let it settle. Day after that they came back round and then went, Right, here's the process of what you've got to do to get through to the transplant list. We we they they said, Right, we can recommend you for it. You've now got to go through all the tests to see if it's worthwhile. A what? But to see if it's worthwhile you get the transplant. Yeah. That that's the way the way it's described. They so when you go into hospital and you've got a point where you need that they recommend you for transplant, then it goes on to a further team to go through and look at your quality of life you'll lead after, the seriousness of your illness at the time. Can you get by with your liver for a year, two more years, and then look at listing? It's There's loads of different factors that go into listing on the transplant list. I never knew any of that. Never knew any of that, that you got to jump through that many hoops. And I just, and I presume most people listening would presume that if you ever needed a transplant, you needed the transplant and that was it, you was put on the list and you it's... Were, like put on a severity level of, of how soon you'd need it. I didn't think you'd need to jump through hoops. And... You you go through, you don't you don't have to sort of make a case as such, I, sort of, I may have misled you there, but it's, there are, the hospital days and trips you've got to make and there's there's a whole case team that look at it and go right we've got x amount of people coming through do i list do i list kai now yeah do i list patient x who's maybe a bit older but his liver's a little bit better do i do i list this patient there's so many different factors that go into it i'd learned all that just through talking to people I, i knew nothing of the transplant process before i got to the hospital yeah, I think probably like I said, ninety nine percent of the people that are listening, they'll only have preconceived, you know, ideas of the transplant list. Like myself, you know, it's not something that I've ever had to. Fortunately, it's not something I've ever had to deal with, or anybody that I, I know, or any family that has. But you know, but listening to the actual side, that side of it, that, that's quite a frightening process to get your head around when you're already going through what you're going through as well and you laid there I want a better way of saying it but you're in a fucking bed in a foreign room you know on your own yeah. and you're having to process it all constantly and then not only that your family and your friends come to see you you've then got to relay all that again to them it, yeah um, yeah it's, it's a lot so... to take on initially regardless of, of all the other factors that surround it. Yeah, I I got moved on to, so I was on a ward at Whitechapel because when you go to bigger wards, there's people that are on different scales of illness. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I I was on a ward with three other guys that were all alcoholics and had drunk their whole life, and I'm sitting there like, right, I I packed up drinking two years before. Yeah, but I think about a year and a bit before. Yeah. So, sort of right. They went right. I'm not doing this anymore. And I thought, oh, okay. They're all. They're, I'm now. But I've, I've got to a point where I'm now sitting there. I'm now on a ward with all the people that had sort of fucked themselves up. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt. 
it's a horrible thing to say. I felt cheated in a sense that I'd made efforts to try and avoid this. But you're still suffering. And, and... and I'm, I'm, I'm sat there now. But what I will say is they were quite possibly some of the, the nicest people I'd ever met in a hospital ward. Really? Yeah. I, I, yeah, they, 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 they made me comfortable, as comfortable as I could be. It's like there's, it's it's a weird way, weird way of having your life turn upside down. And you're sat on a ward with four complete strangers and nothing about them. But yeah. I will say they made that experience better than it could have been. Yeah. Thing is, you share. If I, you know, regardless of whether they've, you know, it's self-inflicted or it's like yourself, it's just unfortunate that you know. I presume it was genetics. You know, it's something not something. It is. Done, it's it's genetic. Genetics. Yeah. They they don't know what causes it. Uh, one one piece of research I've read is it's it's genes and exposure to a certain bacteria. They don't know where it comes from, how it forms. Yeah. It's all still being researched. See, that's that's another frightening thing that it's still being researched. But yeah, you know, we will spend as a country billions of pounds on stuff that is absolutely fucking fruitless and pointless. But then something, you know, chuck a couple of million into it, research for a liver disease, it might find a cure for it that you ain't going to go and have a transplant. You could take a pill, you never know. But yeah, you know, it's yeah. a frightening thing. But I mean, yeah, so I mean, going back to the, the chaps in the room, like I say, you know, regardless that yours is through the genetics, they've fucked themselves up. You know, you, you've still got that common ground. And I think, having myself gone through some things with my kidneys and stuff, um, you know, you kind of forget that. You kind of forget how each one of you has got to that point. And, and you kind of sit there and you think, well, we're all at this fucking point. And you'll find, you, you start making light of the situation and... and yeah, you know, I... talk about it. It, it, it was a weird group that, that was in there. The I put it there, hospital food is crap. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. At the time, I was working for a, a food delivery company, in so I had a company account set. So I was like, look, look, I get free deliveries on this. Should we put our money together and one one night of the week we'll have we'll have some decent food? We had to make sure that it was all stuff that we could eat. Yeah, but. We, there was a sort of camaraderie, absolutely, yeah, yeah, built in a, in a hospital ward. We, we was welcoming to new people that came in. We always tried to make sure whoever joined, yeah, whoever joined and came in over that two three week period was welcome in that ward. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a really strange. You kind of find a little bit of a different side of yourself, if that makes sense. You know, do you know what I mean? It's like. You never knew that side of you existed that you think, because if if you like sat now like me and you were talking, and and you talk to someone that's never experienced anything like that, where they've had to stay in hospital and have like tests and needles and everything else shoved into you, you kind of think, how can you joke about that? How can you? Have, and it's like, but when you're in that situation, you will find a side of yourself that you just think, well, it's it's a coping mechanism at the end of the day, isn't it? But it is, yeah. I mean, we we used to play we um. Got to a point where I were in a six bedder once at Alamshire on on, uh, on H two ward on Renal ward, and um, there was five of us in there. and There was one bed spare, so we used to play. Um, <laughs> we used to play age bingo. 
So we'd all guess <laughs> how old the next person that's going to come into his room, how old they're going to be. And whoever got it closest, obviously then, you know, they won. And, and we had a little point sing and everything. I spent quite a few weeks in there. But yeah, it was just little things like that just to get you through your day. And, and, and yeah, it's a strange yeah. sort of mindset. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. There, there were times where I sat there like, I, I know how to get myself home. I'll, I'll rip the cannula out. I want to go home. It's two in the morning. I'm not sleeping. I can't sleep. They keep leaving the lights on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home. So much noise. But my mum and my dad were straight away on the phone with me to calm me back down and get me sort of settled enough to sleep. They, they brought headphones for me to bring just to stick them over the top so I could actually sleep and block out sounds going on. Because four people on a ward, they're, they're all going to have different needs. One one guy needed, I think, a, a sort of sleep. Is it a sleep? Uh, oh, well, it's sleep apnea, uh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so they had the kit. The, that, that makes noise. Yeah, there's, look, there's noise going on elsewhere. There's always a snorer in your room as well. And if you don't know yeah. there's a snorer in your room, it's you. <laughs> but yeah my parents my girlfriend my brother all came up and brought different bits just to keep me settled for that period good, so you've got it did good support around you then. yeah yeah the um the, the the doctors sort of said to me look you you're gonna go on you're gonna be put forward to be put on the on the transplant list but in the meantime we can get you home if you can prove your sort of jaundice levels are dropping. Yeah. My jaundice levels are at the time, I think were five or six times what's considered healthy. And at, at, at the moment, they're still sort of three, four times over that, that healthy limit. Yeah. Even though I'm at home trying to function. So I, I had to sort of sit and let antibiotics sort of take their course over a period of two, three weeks to get to a point where they're starting to lower so that I can go home and kick off all the things I need to do to get on onto the transplant list. So I, what, I mean, what, at what point, you know, what support, what, what level of support did you have? At this point, did you have anything or was it just, you was you were reliant on yourself and family, or was the no? So they uh, there's there's a they set me up with a nurse, a, a support nurse for anyone who's got liver diseases, right? At at Royal London and then the Royal Free. I'll I, I, I say her first name, Sally. She's she's she picked up the phone any hour of the day, Monday to Friday. So if anything, if I've forgotten my my hospital appointment or when it is or something's not quite right, can you double-check the symptoms and say, right, do I need to go into hospital? Yes, no. She was sort of my point of call to sit there and go, right, something's not right. Yeah. They also set me up with a trained psychiatrist who who's sort of specialises in sort of issues that can come up with illnesses that are, are beyond control, sort of like you get cancers, tumours, things, tra- people that need transplants, so illnesses that are caused that sort of turn your life upside down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got put in contact with a psychiatrist there and I have sessions sort of as and when I need them. If I'm getting to a point where things are way too much, I'm allowed to give her a call. She sets up sort of a, 
sort of an hour time slot for me to just sit and talk about all the things that are on my mind. Yeah. I haven't had to use that because my support network has been great, but it's something that I know is there yeah. that can help me out with it. Well, big up to Sally as well. If you're Sally, if you're listening, fair play. Thanks for, keep, <laughs> thanks for keeping Kai uh, on, on the ball with his hospital appointments and his medication. I appreciate you. <laughs> I'm sure Kai does as well. <laughs> so, I mean, like... Uh, when when you was trying to process all this, you know, you got all these avenues of support, family, friends, everything else. How did you feel yourself, like mentally, and you know, how how did it affect you <sighs> worse than it is best? So, a couple of days after being told, right, you're going to need a transplant. Yeah, I felt pumped. And sort of ready to go, like, right, come on then, let's do it now. Let's go and do it all now. That sort of faded as as time went on because of the nature of being listed. Yeah. I, I then found out, right, I went I went to the, to the transplant day and it sort of hit home that this is going to be sort of, it could, it could be tomorrow, it could right. be six months' time. It could be 12 months' time. could be any period after that. It's it's so random that something can come up at any point. It got it got me to the point where the first sort of couple of months at home after it, I was I was a wreck. The amount of times sort of my parents would get up in the middle of the night just to come and check on me. Because I weren't sleeping, I, I was sort of in pain with sort of just just getting heartburn constantly. Things not being right in my, with my insides when I'm trying to sleep just didn't. It it just didn't put me at, at, at any ease. And mentally, I'd probably say that's when I'm at my lowest. Sort of finding out, okay, I'm not I'm not going to be able to work. Okay, I can't go any further than an hour and a half away from my home. So I can't see family members, sort of nans, granddads, just because they live further out of that zone. Is that is that because you could get that phone call at any point and, you, you know, that's the restriction? Yeah, so I'll, I'll come on I'll come on to the, the time limits, but I, I, I found that the things I used to do and used, used to enjoy, I have to adapt around them. Right. So... I mean, one of the silly things for me, I say it's silly, but I follow I followed football and I follow a team called Leighton Orient home and away. And I've been doing that since I was about 13, 14 years old, going sort of home and away everywhere. I, I, the places I've been to, I, I've, I, like, I like to say it, I've seen almost all of England, but I've only seen the shit parts. <laughs> Coming from a Barnsley fan, I know exactly what you're saying. I've been up to parts of, of, of north of England, south of England, that you sit there and think, why the fuck am I here? Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's because I'm following Orient Home and Away. And <laughs> having to give that up because I can't go further than an hour. Is one of the things that that knocked me. Is that that was a release for me, whilst I was working, knowing that great Saturday's coming, Saturday's coming. I can go Orient. Oh, this week we're, we're in Manchester. Great, 
There's yeah. great pubs and nightclubs in Manchester. There's loads of things for me to do. Having that meant I had to adapt what I enjoy and my release. So you had it just taken away from you overnight from no fault of your yeah. own. And, it's yeah. and then and then noticing as well physical changes going, okay, I'm now at a point where I can I can exercise. But I can't play cricket all day. It's like I, I could, I could just about have a net session, sort of play for half an hour. But that's it. There's no way I could give up the whole day to play a game. I'll be that. That will knock me out. And that's something you've done from a really young age as well. Do you know what I mean? And and that's kind of entwined in your DNA as such. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, part of your life. It's it's exactly that. Having things that. I'd done years for years before every single weekend having that stop sort of put me at a point where I'm like, okay, what do I do? I'm, I, I can't do this. This, all of my mates are going to do that. I'm like, I can't, I can't go out and go further than an hour away because of a phone call. Oh, I can't run and, and play sports for as long as I used to. That left me at a really low point, at a point where I need to go, right, I've got to get myself out of this. I need to find something that, that gives me that, that dopamine hit, the endorphins. Because even though everything's going wrong inside, sort of inside of my liver, stomach and things not working there, my mind's still going. I can still think and still do all the things I want to do. Course, yeah. Just my body can't keep up with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, it's a strange mindset to be in. I, I presume, like you know, like you say, your mind is telling you that you can do it. Your body's telling you, and no, no, it's 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 not happening. You know what? What? So, how did you get around that then? What did you find that gave you that I... sort of? dopamine hit as such you know that gave you that something to keep your mind occupied so possibly how the two of us met yeah going back and collecting old football cards and stickers yeah. I'd collected all of the, the match attacks going from sort of 2007 to 2015 went and played tournaments as a kid finding those things again the old Panini stickers and collecting those through through Ollie's TikTok channel and getting in and getting back into that gave me some kind of dopamine. Trying to find Messi, Ronaldo, Zidane in a weird way gave me some some dopamine hits and, and sort of picked me back up. And another thing as well, it's sort of having some of my friends as well adapt what they're doing to try and get me involved as well really helped that's that's really so I, I follow formula one i love I, I mean one of the things i did before all this went wrong i went abroad straight after straight as soon as covid allowed me to go yeah. i went on abroad, abroad on my own to see uh the monza gp well fair play my, one of the best experiences of my life sort of just getting up and going right sod this three days notice i'm going off to to italy <laughs> But my mates had sort of said, right, one Grand Prix a month, we'll come back, 
and just watch it together. We know you can't come with us or come out to a pub and watch this. You can't get yourself around. We'll come to you and sit and watch that. So we did that. That's wicked. See, that that's when you know you've got some true friends that are, you know, shit, it's fun. They're there for you. That They've got you back. And they'll adapt their lifestyles to help you as well, especially when you're going through something that's a life, such a life-changing illness, you know, and... and it's good that they're able to do that, which means that, you know, you're obviously able to open up and talk, but you're struggling and, and, and stuff to your friends and they're willing to listen. And I, I think more people need that and more people need to do that as well. A hundred percent. I think if, if, I think people need to sort of sit there and go, no, your mates will listen to you. They're not going to call you a dickhead for, for yeah. saying you're weak or something's not right. If they're your mates, they're gonna sit there and go, right, sort yourself out, go and see someone. Yeah. Yeah. And my mates were there to help me out with that and sort of adapted some of the things they were gonna do to get me involved. One of the things that, that they still they still go out and do their sort of mad nights out, but they will keep me in the loop and keep me sort of with it. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. It's really refreshing to hear because I mean one of the things that I struggled with, um, was opening up because I thought I my initial reaction was I thought people are going to think I'm I'm soft or I'm weak or I felt embarrassed that I felt that way and that that's one of the main reasons why I never originally wanted to open up. It was only when things got really really fucking bad that I I had, I had to open up. I didn't really have much choice and and if I if I did not I don't think I would have been here. But you know just looking at this I I did a a bit of research and there's a uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Priory Group before. Uh, I haven't. I haven't heard yeah, of so, them. So Priory no. Group are like um, they do a lot of medical stuff, a lot of like um, cosmetic stuff, and you know, like implants and stuff like that. But they do a lot of research, a hell of a lot of research as well. Does the Priory Group? So they did a research in men's mental health, and of the men that they surveyed, seventy-seven percent of the men admitted that they'd suffered or had suffered um, some sort of mental health symptoms as in like anxiety stress depression but what shocked me most i mean that that didn't really shock me but not as much as the fact that 40 percent of those 77 percent have said that they never spoke about the mental health never so you've got 40 percent of, of the, those men that said that they'd admitted suffering but they never spoke about it i mean it gets even worse than that 20 29 of those who haven't um I said they, they did it because they were too embarrassed. Twenty nine percent, just out of pure embarrassment, said that they not spoke about it. Twenty percent blame the negative stigma around men and mental health. But the one that got me, and then this is the reason why I went into this, um, looking into obviously the research around it and, and stats, um, is because I knew what we were going to be talking about. So, of those seventy seven men, biggest cause of their mental health or their issues was health. And and some of them said that it was down to, you know, they were a bit more overweight than what they, they used to be. And they were a bit, you know, going, going back to the social media thing, they see that, you know, this is what you should look like, not what I look like. But a good high percentage of them was that they'd, they'd experienced hospital visits or, you know, they'd seen family members having health problems or they'd had health problems themselves, like, you know, like yourself with your liver or, you know, me with me, me, my kidney issues. That's a massive percentage, 23%. Just through health issues, uh, 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 finding 
that they've got mental health issues, whether that be depression or anxiety. But do you know the thing that got to me the most, and I want to see what your reaction is to this, but 40% of the men that were polled said that it would take thoughts of suicide or self-harm to compel them to seek help. That's a culture of I brush it aside and I'll get on with it. Absolutely. Which you can, you can look at, you can look at what I sort of touched on earlier. The amount of things I brushed aside, yeah, I'm not saying I may have, I'm not saying I, may, I would have got to that point. Yeah. But those are the things that people brush aside. Oh, my skin's itchy. Oh, my piss is yellow. Yeah. I'm falling asleep at four in the afternoon. I can't, I can't hit a cricket ball as far as I did two years ago. Yeah. Those are the things that get pushed aside that people will just wake up and go, right, oh, this is this is my life now, okay? Yeah. Right, oh, this is my life now, I'll keep going. If you can stop yourself at any of those one, two, three, four points and go, right, I'm going to phone my GP, see what they say. Yeah. I'm going to pop into the polyclinic. I'm going to go to A&E. You, you can go to those places. Yeah, it's going to take three, four, five hours out of your day. But you will start the ball rolling yeah. to see if see if something's not quite right. Nine times out of ten, great, perfect. It's just they've they've given you the fix there. But you have to shout and scream and ask for that. You have without a shadow of a doubt, and especially the mental health side of it as well. If you need any, currently, if you need any mental health problems, uh, sorry, treatment, you know, as a man, if you're not willing to stamp your feet. And, and kick up a fuss about wanting it and, and you know society has pushed men into the point where they'll not do that men will, will quietly say something and hope that somebody picks up on it and they'll start talking and then you'll find that they'll open up yeah. men don't seem to create a big fuss about it you know and I think a lot if, more if, needs to be done a lot more needs to if be the done. society's values could change that if someone's kicking up and screaming there's a reason for it it's not a attention or a cry for help or anything. It, there is a reason behind it. Yeah. If that value can get hit home, yeah. I think a lot of men and, and, and a lot of people will be a lot better off for it. It would never get to the point where it escalated to a mental health issue because, it, like you say, and the early signs, it would be nipped in the bud. People would communicate, talk about it things would get fixed at a lot earlier stage before it escalated all the way down to the fact that 40% of men said they would, it would take thoughts of suicide or self-harm to compel them to seek help. That, I'm, I'm afraid, it, society needs to fucking take a long, hard look at itself and, and realise that that is disgusting and, and it needs to fucking change as far as I'm concerned and, and until we start all trying to make a change, whether that be small, big, whatever, doesn't matter whether you're a dustbin man or a doctor or a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist. Everybody's got a responsibility for each other and, and it needs to fucking change. 100% agree with that. So, yeah, just going back to what we were saying uh, about being like, you know, being able to open up and having the support network or anything, is there anybody that you particularly, you know, want to mention or anybody that helped you? Um, sort of thing during it all and, and continues to do yeah definitely um i think for one mum and dad brother they've been amazing sort of mum dad sort of encouraging to try and keep going get out and do as many things as i can do within reason my brother's sort of my brother's a physio he's trained to be a physio so he's 
he's amazing at trying to sort of push me to go to the gym, get myself swimming, try and sort of eat as much as I can and keep myself fit enough to keep going. And I, I think my girlfriend needs a massive shout out as well, trying to deal with the things she's gotten in life going and then add on my stress as well. Yeah. She's she's possibly one of the most supportive people I've ever met. She's um she she teaches and helps special needs kids at school and, and with respite care. So she's got that sort of caring bone in there anyway. And she's just been amazing to try and keep myself going. So she's got quite a stressful job by the sounds of it anyway and obviously got a lot going on and she's she's unwavering in, in, in helping you and you know you can't wish for a better partner i suppose can you you know yeah she's 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 amazing that's brilliant fair play to her fair play to your parents as well and and you know i just want to say a personal thank you to to all three of them as well because um, <laughs> you're a cracking bloke mate and i enjoy talking to you and, and you know as friendship blossoms and you meet people in weird and wonderful ways in life and uh yeah, I'm glad you've got that support. Really glad you've got that support. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where I'd be without a, that that support network. I'd probably be a lot more stressed and frantic. Yeah, no, it's, it's really good that you've got that. Really good that you've got that. So, like, at the minute, whereabouts on your journey at the moment? So, like, you know, like physically and mentally, whereabouts are you at, at this point in time? I'd I'd use one word to describe it. And I'd probably call it battling. Right, okay. So there's days where I'm like, okay, great. I can go and do everything I want to do and I'm feeling amazing. The next the next day I get hit with shit, okay? Yeah. I know it could all go wrong from here. Yeah. So it's just trying to combat those shit days. And making the most of the days that I have, I'm I'm doing all right. It's like there'll, there'll there'll be days where I'll get a phone call and it'll be from a private number, and I'm thinking, shit, here we go. Uh, is this go time? No, it'll be okay. We just want to check some details over. I'm like, okay, great. You didn't need to scare me like that, but see, that must be a lot of anxiety to be living with every time you hear your phone going. You're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Now it's now we go, we're yeah. up, we go, we go, and then it's like. Hey, it's Vodafone. We're just ringing up to see if you need an update on your network. Shh. Fuck off, Vodafone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? There is other phone providers out there, obviously, but you know. <laughs> yeah. But, that, but yeah, must be a hell of a lot of anxiety to carry around every single day with that. Yeah, it, it's 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 it's. I've had to change the way I I set my phone up. So I ha- I have my phone set on Do Not Disturb the only phone calls that can break that yeah. private number, yeah. mum and dad, girlfriend, yeah. that's the only notifications I get. So try and keep myself sort of on top of things and not constantly rush into my phone. I know the only notifications that I'm going to get straight away with yeah. sound and, and break my concentration yeah. are the input or should be, I say important ones. <laughs> should be. Yeah, <laughs> we all we all get the callers, but yeah, yeah. I mean, but but with that in itself, you know that that comes a lot with. If like one of your mates wants to ring you up to see how you're doing or whatever, you might not get that notification straight away. But that's you've got to do that, otherwise your your mental side of it must have it must completely off the rails if you're getting phone calls and you're on edge all the time as such. 
it, it's one of the one of, I, I definitely think I there are times where I'm on edge a lot more because of everything that's happened yeah but there are other times where I've sort of sort of learned to accept it and I, I think one of the things that I said coming out of hospital was that right I've cried all my tears over this I've got to get up and deal with it I don't want I don't want to let this define the next 10 15 20 30 years of my life what an amazing mindset to, to be able to have and I bet you could yeah. not have done that without the support of obviously like you say your parents and your girlfriend yeah they're, 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 they've they've sort of started saying this. They, they, they will tell me to, to snap out of it when I'm starting to get into the days where I'm like oh, I just want to lay in bed and wallow and they're like mum's like no had enough of this go for a swim no <laughs> come on get yourself up go for a walk go post office drop some cards off that you sold yeah. get get yourself up and go yeah, you know, it's, it's good to hear. It really is good to hear. And it, it's it's refreshing to hear somebody saying, you know, that, that they still have those days and those moments. But also, you know, on the flip side, knowing that you're still having your good days as well, it's not all just doom and gloom. Yeah. You know, you're having your good like, days. A, a, good, a, a good day was I beat my mate at Top Golf. I've never played golf in my life, and he spent every weekend going, and I beat him one weekend. That was That was a good day. Is he still your friend? But then, yeah, <laughs> he, he, he suggested he suggested to me trying to take up golf just so it doesn't look make it look as bad for losing. But, <laughs> but no, it, it's you know you speak to some people that have got you know issues going on. It, it might not be um, you know it might not be physical or health issues. It could be like financial issues or relationship issues. And you speak to people, and it is one hundred percent is is the dark side of it. And and whilst that, you know, we need to help people that are on that path, it's also refreshing to hear that somebody in your position and that's going through what must be something that I can't comprehend and, and I'd say probably most people listening can't comprehend. The fact that you're still managing to find some positives and have those good days is, is really nice to hear. It really is. Yeah. You know, and do you think you yeah. could have that if you was on your own? Would you have been able to get to that point, that mindset? You know, probably not. It, it, it would have taken me a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Would have taken me a lot longer to say, right, I've ignored this for too long. Okay, I need to start eating more. I'm losing weight. I need to go and do fitness things and keep myself active on that. Yeah. It, without the support network telling me, right, here's what you've got to do. Let's go and do it. Uh, I'd be up shit creep that pedal. Yeah, which just you know that that the, the reason why I ask that is because it just shows people need people. You need support. You need to be able to open up and talk to people so it can be reciprocated and you yeah. get that help. I think I think one of the things as well is also just making sure your your support group have got time as well to deal with their own issues as well. Absolutely. So it's it's just trying to so on the on the on the days I've got a good day I will try and give something back in a way yeah. rather than it's all constant take 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 I will try my best to try and get something good out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you you speak I speak to quite obviously I speak to quite a few men about their issues and you know I have people message me confidentially and 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 long may that continue but. I always say to them, you know, just because you've opened up to one person and they've not given you the answer or the reaction that you expected or wanted, 
doesn't mean to say that they don't care. They might just be having that much of a problem themselves. They don't know how to deal with. They haven't got the mental capacity, and you've you've got to yeah. keep mindful of that as well. You know, so that's a really good point that you've just touched on with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, as far as obviously going forward from where you are at the moment on your journey, um, what's the future hold for you? And you know, what what where do you go from here? Then, so what's the next steps? What would you like dream. to achieve? Dream, dream scenario. Transplant goes well. Yeah. No hiccups. I, I've, I've accepted. Yep, yeah, you're going to run tablets for the rest of your life. You need to maintain balance and watch everything. I think I've learned that. I'd love to get to back to a point where I can comfortably work or do a job and be accountable. And uh, on on a sort of social and more fun side, there is a organisation called the Transplant Games. I would love to get fit enough to compete in one of the events there, whether it's temping, bowling, swimming, running, football, I'd love to be fit enough. To, even even if I'm even if I finish last <laughs> or or I play as a sub and come on for 10, 15 minutes, just to say that, okay, I've sat in the pit. Yeah. But I'm now doing something quite cool. That so, would be I'd an not, amazing I'd not heard of the transplant games until obviously we, we spoke about it previously but it's something i'm going to look into but i think the fact that i've not heard of it i think that's that's terrible i think more people should know about it and i think it's a fantastic idea and concept and and yeah definitely something yeah. to look into they 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 this is a serious serious event they um they move the sort of every four years they'll move the international games around i think the last one was in australia next one's in germany and then after that, I don't know where they're going. But it's it's all around the world. Anywhere that has got a sort of recognised transplant scheme has got a team and a representative in the transplant games. So it's like kind of like the Olympics but for people that have been through transplants. Yeah, it could be kidney, lung, liver, oh. heart, any any of them. That's fantastic. That you know, anybody listening, go and check it out. Go and have a watch. Um, as Kai says, there's some some serious serious competitors in there that um, you know, I know we spoke about the the bowling. You know, I recently yeah. the kids struggled to get hundred, and I thought, yeah, it's not too bad. You know, you you averaging what one forty ish, one fifty. I I, look, I looked up the 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 scores they're they're throwing out there, and they're sort of two thirties, two forties. They're they're prop. They're putting serious serious yeah. numbers down. I thought I was okay at being able to go in at one forties <laughs> and fifties, but but they're throwing serious numbers down. Yeah, so so these these guys, you know, they're not messing about. They're not there just to be uh, just to be a number. They're there to fucking seriously compete as well. So yeah, make sure you check it out, guys. Transplant games. You were you heard it here, and you heard Kai Hatton before. No doubt in the future you'll be a kayak and while he's smashing some temping ball in around you. Yeah? <laughs> I would I would love I'd love to come back in X amount of months, however however long it is, yeah. post transplant and do this again. Yeah. I think that'd be a, a really cool sort of look back. Definitely as well. So, so we will definitely do that. So um yeah, we'll have Kai back on once, you know, post transplant and you're up and you you're fighting fit and you're well. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll get you on without a shadow of a doubt. One hundred percent. We also are actually organising something for you, aren't we? Um, yeah, this is something I'd, I'd love. I've never, never climbed or attempted anything mega, <laughs> and 
Nick came up with the idea of, of Snowden. So the challenge is get myself fit enough, healthy enough to do it. If it's going to take us four hours, five hours, six hours, however long it takes us, we'll get to the top of there. Absolutely. 100%. And, and you know, like you say, if it takes us six hours, it's not a, a matter of how long it takes us. It's the fact that we will get you there. And, you know, and it, it, it gives you something post, uh, post transplant that you've got that goal to aim for. And I think, I think it'd be good. I think it'd be a good laugh. It'd be good fun. There's a couple of us that, you know, we'll do it together and, uh, yeah, we'll get you up there. Even if I've got a fucking carrier, well, we'll get you up there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure, I'll make sure I'm light enough then. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, you know, setting goals is a massive thing. You've got, you've got to have got, but they've got to be achievable goals. And, and I yeah. spoke about this prior before, you know, some people set unrealistic goals for in five years to, I want to have a million pound house or blah, blah, blah. And that's only achievable by a, a, a fucking minute amount yeah. of people. You know, so setting I'd, achievable I'd, goals. Yeah, I'd love to be able to get back on a cricket pitch and play a proper season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If if dreams to not dream that the lofty one is a transplant games, that's everyone's got to have a, have an ambition or, or something that's slightly higher. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, if we can if we can smash Snowden out, I think that's yeah, those yeah, are some I'd, great goals. Be brilliant. I mean, do they do uh, do they do golf in transplant games, or, or if your friend? Uh... I don't know, actually. I'd have to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, no, it'd be uh, Snowden will be brilliant, and and I think getting you back on a podcast as well will be uh, will be good good to get you back on the pod as well uh, post um, post transplant. Um, so yeah, what I mean, if 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 you could give anybody any advice um, that's struggling mentally due to any health problems or uh, anything that you've found that's helped you. Is there anything that you'd you know you'd, you'd you'd put out there? Two two things. Yeah. Stop ignoring yourself. So stop ignoring signs and and rationalising things not being as they used to be. Fantastic. Shout out and say, okay, I'm sleeping at four in the afternoon. I never did that before. Yeah. My my feet, my feet are itchy. X, Y, and Z. Any reason that's not something that's not quite right. Yeah. speak to someone, shout as loud as you can. The NHS is amazing once you know what's wrong. But trying to get to that point, you've got to shout and keep going and going and going. That's how all these things are found. It's it. We only, we only found out I had a liver condition because my eye went red. It's the most random link going. If I'd have just accepted, oh, I had an eye infection. Okay. Off we go. We'll wait for that to die down and just accept that's what that is. I would have never got to the point of finding out what's going on. It would have been a bigger shock, possibly earlier in my life, even though this has come around quite quickly. Without shouting and and screaming, I wouldn't have found out what was wrong. I think it's a shame that we've got to do that, but I totally agree 100% with what you're saying. Once you get a diagnosis, the NHS is unbelievable. The, the problem is, is, is we haven't got the investment. We haven't got the enough specialists around, so they'll try and, you know, just soldier it along a little bit for want of a better way of saying it. And, and unless you, like you say, you stamp your feet and you're walking proof of this, if you don't stamp your feet and and you know shout, scream, whatever it takes, you know, 
oh, potentially you might not have even been having this conversation with me today. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. the proof there is is do it. As Kai says, seek that help, pick up those signs. One hundred percent agree with you on that, yeah. So is yeah. what was your second point on, on So yeah. And make use of support groups you've got. They're there for, your family and friends are there for you. If, if you've got a good support, make use of it. Don't sit there and ignore it. Reach out to whoever you can. And they they may not, as we said earlier, have the right answers, but they may open up places to get those answers. You might surprise yourself as well. You might think you've got, you know, my dad is quite a, a, a northern Barnsley, hard-faced, I think I've seen him cry once in his life, sort of dad, and there's nothing wrong with that. And... I, I remember opening up to him once and dreading opening up because I thought, what well, am I, I going to get the toughen up, man up, walk it off sort of speech? And it was complete opposite. He put his arm around me and, um, yeah, really listened, really helped. And it, it, that in itself shocked me that that was how it was, um, you know, how it came back to me from from, from my dad. And, um, yeah, it totally changed mine and my dad's relationship as well if I'm being honest with you brought me and my dad a hell of a lot closer you unlock a new level sort of a deeper level to bond with family members friends etc it's something something that binds you a lot stronger admitting that something's not right absolutely it does and and there needs to be more of that and it takes a hell of a lot of courage for somebody to speak up you know people think that it makes you look weak or it makes you you know, it's embarrassing or it's whatever. It's not. It's completely the opposite. I see if somebody opens up and speaks, they are probably one of the strongest people that you could ever meet. The strength and the courage it takes for somebody to make that initial conversation to talk is one of the strongest, most heroic things that you can do in life. And don't ever think that it's not because it is. And people will respect you more. People will understand you more. They'll be more accepting of you if you're just willing to just open up and, and be honest about, like you said earlier on, look after yourself, be honest with yourself. But yeah, it's uh, it's good that you've got that support network, you know, and it's good that people have got support networks, but they, like you said, they've got to utilise them and, and, and they've got to be honest as well. Don't give them a half-truth. The sooner out. everything's on, on the table, the easier it is to pick up and go, right, now we start again. What's happened before is done. That's that's forgotten about. Now you pick yourself up again. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, if if you go, say you go, you get the courage to speak to somebody and you'll tell them half the truth. They'll only try and help you deal with that half a truth. They'll not know that there's other stuff behind it, and that might compromise what they're trying to do to help you. So get it all out there. Have a cry. Have a laugh. You know, <laughs> not being funny, but Kai's had me choked up with tears. He's had me laughing. <laughs> You know, it's, it's been really, really good to talk to you. I mean, I know you've got a couple of uh, little funny stories. You know, the Simpsons thing that really made me laugh and, you know, beating your mate at golf. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, But the way I look at it is make the most of your good days. Except some days are shit. But as long as you pick yourself up and make the most of what's going to be good and the most you can do from a day perfect that's how i've sort of tried to keep myself going the last sort of five six months post listing yeah definitely and, and you know what i 
look forward to having you on post-transplant because I know you'll have had your transplant, you'll be on the road to the recovery and getting you back on to talk will be, be fantastic. I think that's a brilliant idea. Um just want to just touch on, on another thing that, that why men don't talk about the mental health. This is another, um, this was from .gov again. Um, so 40% of men that they, that the .gov looked into just said that they'd learned to deal with it. Now, for me, that's not dealing with it. That's just locking it away somewhere in your brain. And at some point it's going to come back and bite your own fucking ass. So, you know, that's not dealing with it as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's, it's exactly what I did. Just sort of accepting this is normal now. This is normal now. Yeah. It's not. No, not not by any stretch of imagination is it not normal. Twenty nine percent said that they felt too embarrassed. That that was me. I was part of that twenty nine percent. I felt too embarrassed. I was ashamed. Uh, probably cared too much what everybody else would think about me, rather than how I actually felt and how I was dealing with it or not dealing with it at the time. Sixteen uh, percent that you know they didn't want to appear weak. Again, that's. You know, that's that's most men because of how society has pushed them onto that box that they've got to be strong, they can't be weak, can't show signs of weakness, they can't cry. It's all bullshit. We know that, don't we? You know? Um, Definitely. But the one that got me was 14% said that they've got no one to talk to. And I think going back to what we've just spoke about, the whole having your, you know, your, your circle around you, your family, your friends, your girlfriend whoever it may be, even if you've got none of that, you've got no family, you've got no friends, or you feel like you haven't, or you feel like you're pushed in the corner, don't ever feel like there's nobody to talk to. There's a lot of good places and people out there to contact, you know, the Samaritans, there's there's um, all sorts of different um, charities. Um, but one I just want to give a big shout out today, is it's called Andy's Man Club. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of Andy's Man Club, Kai. I, I I haven't been. It'd be great to find out more. Yeah, so Andy's Man Club, um, unfortunately, was set up off the back of um, a chap that did take his own life. And so Andy's Man Club, non-subscription. You don't have to apply. You don't have to put your name. You literally just turn up. So Google it. They're on Facebook. They've got uh, sites up and down the country. They're constantly opening new sites. I know there's two in Barnsley around near me. You go, you turn up. It's mad. And they're there to talk. You're not pressurised into talking. And they'll they'll pass they'll pass something round. And when it's your turn to talk, they'll pass you it. And if you if you're not ready to talk, you pass it on to somebody else. But you can. Everybody's there for the sole purpose that you know they need somebody to talk to, and it's a fucking amazing support network. So if anybody does need somebody to talk to and they feel like they're on their own, please just check out Andy's Man Club. Um, and the other one I just want to give a, a, a shout out to is called Tough to Talk. If you don't feel like you can talk physically to somebody or talk on the phone and it's easier for you to type something, they have actually got forums where you can type and talk on forums and people will help support each other and give advice. So even if you don't feel confident enough to talk and open up, sometimes it's easier to be able to type and, and do it that way. And toughtotalk.com, um, they've got an amazing support network of forums on there. But yeah, check them both out if if uh, if you could, even if you're in a good place, give them a check out, give them a follow. It, it really helps. You never know when you might need them. Also, um, check out the transplant games as well. Keep your eye on it because Kai might be there in a few years. You never. Do. 
<laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> I may be last, but I'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> mate, that's that's all that matters, mate. You'll be there. So, but yeah, it's been brilliant to have you on, Kyan. I really appreciate your time. Uh, and thank thanks you for welcome. thanks for having me here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a really, really good, good conversation. Yeah, it's it's been quite humbling for me as well, and it's been a good experience. Um, and I hope people listening can take something away from it, and I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Uh, we will have Kai back on post uh, post transplant and um, see how he's getting on. So, yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I'll yeah. say, I'll say, I'll say, speaking to you soon. Hopefully. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, be, be good. But yeah, thanks very much for your time, Kai, and um, and we'll catch up soon. Take care, bud. All the best. Well, thank you for listening to A No Place to Hide. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast, and I hope to see you for future episodes as well. If you do realise that you need somebody to talk to, you feel like you need to reach out, or even if you just need a bit of advice, please check out www.toughtotalk.com. These guys are running a fantastic men's mental health charity on their website. It's got links to about everything that you could possibly imagine. They've also got places for advice and help. If you need to speak to somebody on the phone, please contact the Samaritans on 116 123, or alternatively, please contact the NHS 111 option 2. Remember guys, stay safe and we can only break this stigma together.